Um, I was going to do a little bit more on the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I know some of you might be getting tired of it. I've actually been growing from it. Uh, we finished the Lord's Prayer last week, and I was going to move on to, the, to some more of that. But we're going to do that, Lord willing, next week. But I want you to take your Bible, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I read this during, before service. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Now, would you do this again with me? Would you either take your Bible and put it in your hand? Open it up like this, or take your hands out like that, and just put your hands. There's no religious thing. It's just I want you to say, "God, I'm ready for the word." Okay, so let's pray. Father, we want to receive the word of God. We don't want another sermon. We don't want to hear academics. We don't want to hear uh, religious history. We want life. And Jesus, your word says that the word is the the bread of life for us. So when we dig into the word. And as your servant, as I bring the word, let it breathe life and bring life into every person in this room so that our souls are satisfied, that we will find real rest in Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let me read this to you. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. 11 through 20, uh, 28 through 30 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, many of you can relate. Have you ever been so tired at night that you can't sleep? Anybody? Just two of you. Some of you are like, I'm falling asleep right now. Good. We'll, we'll, you'll hope you'll get some rest today. Have you, have you ever been so overwhelmed with life, burden, church, school, work, everything, taxes, the, the, the burdens like that? You just feel like you're overwhelmed. Okay? Yeah. All of us have been there or we're there now. And so think about the, the, the Jewish people there and the, the followers of Christ. They were under the Roman rule. The Romans were, were, were very strong and cruel. And then they were under this religious rule. So they had the Roman rule, which you thought taxes were bad today, and a corrupt government. It was very corrupt. And then they had a religious system that was weighing them down with all these rules and regulations. I mean, if you can't imagine the, the offering time, the sacrifices, and, and the, the, the tax. You, you think uh, the temple tax. I mean, we, we just asked you to give, as the Lord commands, 10%. And they were saying, no, the, the, at that time they're saying, you've got to give 30% of your income to the church or to the temple. And so, so life was hard on them. It was busy. And so, so they were overwhelmed. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, I've come here to free you from the burdens of life. I've come to give you life. And I want to give you, I want to give you freedom from religion, freedom from oppression, because I am Jesus and I'm the life giver. So this morning, I want you and I, because sometimes our Christianity burns us out. Sometimes your job burns you out. Sometimes just life Burns you out, right? So this morning I want to talk about this and, and I want us to get into this because we are, we are overpacked. Our schedules are overpacked. Anyone here is scheduled just like you have nothing going on? Some of you do. How many of you are scheduled? You've got 15 things. Even as I'm talking right now, you're already thinking about what you have to do tomorrow. Can you stop that just for a second? Because tomorrow is going to be there tomorrow. I want you to, to enjoy this moment. Now, some of you, we're, we, we have, uh, we're trying to survive, maybe. We're just trying to keep our head above our bills. Or we're just trying to, we've got a, a relationship thing that's going on. Or, or, you know what, technology is so cool, but technology, it, it ladens us down. I was thinking about this this morning. Do you remember when you used to get, the only time you could check emails when you went to your work office, you popped up your computer? And now I'm getting emails 24-7 from you. <laughs> From, from other people. And I'm just going to let you know that if you... Let me just tell you what happens. If you send me an email after 10 o'clock at night, I don't see it because I turn my phone off. Um, but I do. When I wake up at 6 or 6.30, I pop it back on. I see your email. I'm praying for you. I try to respond as soon as I can. And if you email me on a uh, Monday, I'm not going to respond because that's my day off. And so I try to... And I mean, it's an emergency. Call me. <laughs> 
you know, if it's an emergency. So I'm just telling you that technology, I mean, isn't it cool? I mean, how many of you are like, you right now, you're burdened. You feel like you have to check your text right now. You're like, Snapchat. But see, do you see what I'm saying? All the stuff that's supposed to make life better for you is weighing you down, correct? I mean, isn't it? It's sad. And it's like, okay, so Jesus says, I want to free you from that. I want to give you life today. I want you to have life today in Jesus' name. Are you ready? So what is it? Here, number one, a weary and burdened life. What makes us weary? You see, the original language talks about what makes us weary is, is fatigued by labor or toil. Jesus was, was telling those who were fatigued by life to come to Him. I mean, it's, it's simple, right? If you're fatigued by life, go to Jesus. But what do we do? We run from Jesus. Well, I've got to take a break. I, I mean, and you've got to take a break. But I mean, I'm, I'm not going to come to church. That's the worst thing for you to ever do. That's what the devil wants, amen? Now, now you can't quit your job, or maybe you can, I don't know. But, but what is fatiguing you? What is wearing you out? What are you toiling for that is wearing you out? Is it your work, your career? Is it your family? Is it relationships? Is it bad or negative news? Is it your friends? Is it coworkers? It, are, it, are, are habits weighing you down? Is it church? Is it weighing you down? Too much technology. If this is you, calling on Jesus and coming to Him is the way you're going to find rest. It's very simple, right? Come on, right? Maybe it's time to reevaluate what you're doing in life. Maybe it's time for a career change. Maybe it's time to rearrange. And, and, and here we talk about that. We want you not to do every ministry. We want you to focus in on one ministry, two ministries maybe, because you're going to burn out. True? So, but what's your dream? Is your dream wearing you out? I mean, if your dream that the Redskins are going to win the Super Bowl again, I mean, that, that's a crazy dream, right? It could happen. Uh, you know, but, but, is that, but is that a worthwhile job? This morning we were coming to church and, and Michaela, Michaela was just a great mood. And I love that when, when, when we're all in a good mood. Because, uh, and so we put on Pandora. We were listening to worship music. And we saw these fans coming, the, these radical people. They were worshiping. They're on their way to worship. I'm like, man, these people are radical for worship. They're excited. They're blowing by us. They're like in a hurry. And they have these little flags. And I'm thinking, oh, they must love Jesus. And I get close to the car and I, they pass by Washington Redskins. And they're just bolting down and weaving in and out. And, you know, they're smiling and they got their big grills in the back of their car. You know, I'm just teasing you. But they're going to this worship service. And they're going to get disappointed probably. Or maybe they'll have a win today. I don't know. I pray they do. I like Robert Griffith. I, like, I think he's a great kid. But, but you see, everyone the, this is like their worship. And then we come to church. We're like, oh, I'm burdened. I'm weary. And, and, and I'm, I'm not getting You've got to come to Jesus, not come to church. Come to Jesus this morning. Amen. Man, come to Jesus like those people go to those Redskin games or those, those uh, Ravens games or, or those God's football team, the Broncos. I don't know. Uh, but, but come like that to church with Jesus and your life will be different. Come on, amen? All right. Don't go that fast now. You guys are going too fast. Slow down. Now, so let it be, what is burden? What is a burden? What burdens us? What burdens us? Okay, so I said, what makes us weary? But what burdens us? You see, life makes us fatigued. But the original language is this. Is, is don't go there yet. You guys are getting ahead of me. Is the original language speaks of a beast of burden. Now you can put it up. The beast of burden that is overloaded or, or, or like a vessel of cart that is overburdened. You see, some of you, that's you today. That's me sometimes. And, and so, I mean, that's crazy. Like, what, what crazy person would do that? You see, that's what happens. You and I. 
your bosses, can you say, oh yeah, I can do that. The church, yeah, I can do that. Your neighbor, yeah. And you just keep adding all these things and eventually think, I can do this. I, I can do all things. And eventually, you can't do anything. And so, the, I mean, really, this is the picture. This is what Jesus says in the, in the original language, in the Greek, is what he was speaking. He spoke in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. But in this, it was written in Greek. The original language is a beast of burden that is overloaded or a cart that is overburdened. That is exactly what Jesus is saying. He says, he says this, Come to me all who are weary and burdened. This is what he's saying. If this is you today, you need to come to Jesus right now. Amen? You see, some of you, this is you. This is you right now. This is where you're at. And, and what is burdening you? What is it? Again, is it taxes? Is it debt? Is it bills? Is it everyday living? Is it your job? Is it your career? Is it deadlines? Are, are they projects? Are they kids? Your spouse? Your family? Is it being uh, uh, in your singleness or, or, or married or a broken relationship? Is it sin? Is it life-controlling habits? Is it lifeless Christianity? Or is it just busy Christianity? If that's you, the answer is, come to Jesus this morning. Amen? You see, whatever is burdening you, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. I'm going to give you some rest. I'm going to help you. So let us see. What kind of rest will Jesus give us? We always think of palm trees. We think of the beach. I mean, maybe, you know, I, I love the beach. But also sometimes rest for me is in the mountains where there's snow. Or there's a lake up there and there's like no people around me. And, and when I open my cell phone, it says zero bars. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And I'm serious, I'm hiking for a day or two and there's not a person out there. Just me, the bears, the wolves, the hawks, the fish, and the pine trees. So to me, that's rest. For you, it might be a cocktail. You shouldn't be doing that for rest, by the way. Maybe it's, it's playing a sport or maybe it's at the lottery place, you know, at Charlestown. That's not rest. That's, they're robbing you is what's happening. Come on, Amen. Uh, maybe it's, it is the beach. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a, a pile of Mexican food. I'm, I'm good with that too, you know. Uh, whatever. But that's not rest. That's just a thing to do. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you rest. You see, your rest might actually be more work, right? How many of you, I mean, I love vacations. I love taking a nice trip. But, I mean, you know, it takes time. It takes money. It takes energy. And then sometimes you come back broke and tired, Right? And you don't want to come back like, but I, that was just a short week. And you see, that's not rest. You see, what Jesus is saying here, the original language again, he says, you're under this burden and I'm not going to, I don't want to make you escape. You know, I, you know, beam me up, Jesus, and take me to my tropical paradise or my mountain paradise or whatever you're doing. Whatever. He's, he's saying, I'm going to give you rest right where you're at. I'm going to refresh you where you're at with what you're dealing with, how you're dealing with it. I'm going to change your attitude. And really, the original language speaks of repose or refreshing in place to stand up again. Now, think of that beast of burden being completely overburdened, now being able to put the weight down because God is able to push it. And then imagine God's hand just moving that beast of burden now, maybe even pulling some stuff off. Okay, that's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to give you rest where you're at because God is not an escapist God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You live where you live, you work where you work, you, you go to church where you church so that you will be a part of the body and that you will be a light. And you're going to face hard times. We talked about that last week. We talked about it some more. You're going to face hard times, but the question is, are you going to face those hard times in your energy or are you going to do it in God's energy? And that's the difference. And I know when I do it in my energy, I'm burning out. I'm overwhelmed. I can't handle it anymore. And God says, don't do that because I can overcome and I can carry everything. Isn't that awesome? So some of us are trying to find rest in drugs, in alcohol, in escapism. And Jesus is saying, no, don't do that. 
Come to me where you're at with your burden and I will give you rest right there. Come to me. We'll talk a little bit more about that. So, are you ready? Are you ready? Come to Jesus. Number two, what yoke are you wearing? What yoke, not yoke, yoke, Y-O-K-E are you wearing? What is the yoke of Jesus? How, how many know what a yoke is? Do I have the picture? Let's put the picture up. Just one slide. That is a yoke. It, it, some of you like, I don't know what that is. Okay, it's basically, that's a piece of wood. Actually, it's, got, it's a long piece of wood. And it has two other pieces of wood that are, that are worked or rope. And then there's metal. This is a yoke. And so Jesus was a carpenter. Do you remember that? Jesus wasn't pansy, hippie Jesus. He didn't pass out flowers. Jesus, have you ever been on a carpenter before? you ever shaken a carpenter's hand? It's not like a banker's hand. No offense if you're a banker. Or pastor's hand. Soft and, you know, supple. A, 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 a carpenter's hand, it's, it's sturdy. It's strong. You know, Jesus wasn't some little sissy guy. Oh, peace be with you, everybody. He was a carpenter. I mean, he had... Tan, he, he was probably buff underneath. I don't know. I mean, he was, he was working hard. And so Jesus built, I'm sure, because of that was the thing. Carpenters built these things. And so he, he understood. He said, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so you see, all of us, regardless of you, you agree with me or not, you have some kind of a yoke on you today. There's something that's controlling your life. It's pulling you. And typically when there's a yoke, you're, you're yoked up with another thing. And so Jesus is saying, you're, you're yoked up, and I, w- I want you to yoke up with me. And you see, here it is, okay? A yoke, again, is basically a harness that's placed on a draft horse, an ox, to pull. And what's happening is that your, your, your yoke is yoked up with somebody else or something else, and it's pulling you away from Jesus. It's, it's directing your life. It's, it's weighing you down. It's burdening you. And, and again, I imagine Jesus understood this. And he said, because then the people there, the yoke of religion or the yoke of uh, Roman oppression was too much for the people to bear. And it was leading them to destruction. And Jesus was saying, my yoke, which I can make for you, because believe it or not, these yokes are are custom built. According to the, the ox or horse's neck size and height and all that. And so Jesus understood. He says, my yoke is easy. I can custom build you a better yoke that will lead you to a life eternal Versus the yoke of the world, which is pulling you to destruction, or this yoke of religion, or this yoke of activity. And Jesus says, my yoke is this, alright? So when he says, my yoke, he's not saying just my yoke, he's saying, when you join with me, when you detach yourself from whatever this yoke of religion, or this oppression, or the world, or busyness, or whatever yoke has you, if you let go of that yoke, come to me, I have a custom built yoke that is better for you, and imagine this, okay? Let me look at my notes because I don't want to get too far away. Jesus is saying, I've made a yoke that fits you and now join with me and we will pull together. Hit the next slide. Do I have it? Here it is. Back. Um, remember this. No temptation to seize you. We talked about this last week. What is common and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You see, God knows your burden. He doesn't want you to be destroyed. Say, God doesn't want me to be destroyed. So He understands that. We talked about that last week. Your your trials, the temptations that you face. God is going to make a way out. He's saying, listen, if you yoke up with me, these things we can overcome quicker than you trying to do it by yourself. Are you you with this? 
And of course, remember this, God never entices us to do evil. James 1, 13-15, it says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Uh, but again, each one is tempted when he, by his own evil desire, is dragged away and enticed. Then after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So we talked about that last week. I want to remind you, some of the troubles you're in today, and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, are because of you being tempted and, and being pulled away, Right? Jesus says, hey man, if you get rid of that yoke and put my yoke on, your life's going to be a little bit easier. So here it is, letter B. I'm, I'm trying to move fast and I want to slow down now. How do I yoke up with Jesus? And the original language is coupling. And I'm not talking about a boy and a girl at school. Hey, we're coupling, you know. Uh, or a, a husband and wife getting married. That's awesome. But the, the original language means joining with another for a common cause. Now, my dad grew up on a farm in West Virginia. And he talked... He talked lovingly about his horses. I grew up in Colorado. We had little horses. He would call them ponies. They were quarter horses. Mustangs. They're cool. They're fast. Broncos. They're fast. But he said, Stan, draft horses are much more gentler. They're more powerful. And they're beautiful. And so here, do I have now the picture? So that, that's a picture of a draft horse. It's a color picture. That's a draft horse. Now, unfortunately, when we think the draft horse, we think of beer, right? Come on, the Clydesdales. And there's more than a Clydesdale. There's Bell. There's tons of draft horses. A draft horse weighs about um, 2,000 pounds. Okay? And they're like this. Their shoulder is like this. Okay? And when they walk, the ground shakes. Remember, I told you about this before. If not, I'm going to tell you. So my dad said they had teams of draft horses. And when the draft horses would, would pull, you could just feel the ground shake when they would pull. Or when they were trampling around out, out in the, the pasture, you know, the ground would shake. <laughs> And so that was a draft horse. 2,000 pounds. Can you imagine that? Okay? I'm trying to humor you a little bit. So here it is. Jesus is saying, when you couple with me, when you join with me for a common cause, it's going to be better. It's like two of these horses. Now, one horse, one draft horse, can pull about four times its weight. Again, a draft horse is about 2,000 pounds. So what's two times, 2,000 times four is what? How much? How many pounds can you pull? So drafts, they're pretty huge. So, I mean, in life, you can pull a lot of weight. But check this out. Check this out, okay? When two draft horses are yoked together and pulling for a common cause, they can pull ex- exponentially more than one draft horse can pull. So one draft horse can pull how many pounds? How much? How many tons is that? Okay? Check this out. I want to read this to you so you get this. When two draft horses, two, two draft horses are yoked together and pulling for a common cause, the record is two draft horses, by the way, they were Clydesdales, pulling a sled with logs on it across the snow, they are able to pull 52 English tons. So one draft horse can pull how many tons? Eight tons, two, you, you, so you would think, okay, if we put two draft horses, eight plus eight is, when they were pulling together, exponential. 52, now, by the way, 52 English tons is actually bigger, more than American tons. An English ton is about 2,400 and some odd pounds. The American ton is 2,000 pounds, right? So we're getting ripped off. So, so two draft horses pulling together can pull 52 tons of stuff. Now imagine you being yoked with Jesus, the creator of the universe. 
how much more you can pull in life with Him on your yoke. Come on, amen? So this morning, you are trying to do everything in your power. Pastor Stan, because he likes to get things done, sometimes tries to do things in his power because he just wants to get things done. I'm serious. I wake up in the morning, God, I don't want to waste time. I don't, I don't want to see this church just kind of pit along. I want to see people come to know Jesus. I want to see our people growing in Christ. I want to see them active. And we've got things to do, so I'm doing things. And so sometimes those things burden me down, just like you. And I say, you know what, I need to stop this. I need to couple with Jesus and allow Him to help me pull whatever He wants to pull. Amen? And so this morning, maybe you're pulling the wrong thing. Maybe you're hooked up with the wrong people. Imagine again, hooking yourself up, teaming with Jesus, coupling with Jesus, the Creator of the universe, and how much more you can do for Him. Isn't that awesome? Come on. So why do we try to live our lives by ourselves? Why do we try to live our spiritual lives by ourselves? Why do we try to carry our burdens alone? Well, it's an American sin. It's an American culture sin. I'm an American. I can do this. If Henry Ford can invent cards, if Bill Gates can do this, if, if, you know, blah, 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 we think we can do the same thing. And maybe you can. But really, Jesus says, if you want to do greater than that, then hook up with me. Couple with me and I'll do greater things. But the other part of this is, the Bible is very clear. Do not be yoked with people who are pulling you away from God. In fact, I'm going to read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Write this down. 2 Corinthians 6.14. You doing good? It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, this could say, Pastor Stan, what? what? I'm not supposed to hang around non-Christians. No, that's not what he's meaning. It means don't be yoked with them. Don't, and some of you might get upset, but you should try not to start a business with an unbeliever. Because an unbeliever has a different version of what a business is about. I know some of you are upset. This means don't marry an unbeliever. Don't date an unbeliever. Because they don't see the world the way you do. Well, Pastor Stan, I, my husband saved because I dated him in college. And that's awesome. You're like the 0.05% that's happened to. And in my 26 years of ministry, and in my so many years of ministry, I've seen too many people who evangelistically dated, they're, they're walked away from Jesus. Or their marriage, they don't serve God anymore in their marriage. And so, so this is not just that, but he's saying, don't couple with people of the world for worldly causes. Do you see what I'm saying? Connect with me, and our cause will change them and help them. You're to be a light. But you see, the, the world's yoke pulls you away from God every time, right? Right? And God doesn't want that. So here we go, letter C. How can I learn from Jesus? Are you doing good? Do I need to speed up? Do I need to slow down? I'll try to slow down. Because I want to get this to you all today. Because we need to have an altar time this morning. Let us see how can I learn from Jesus. This is not saying more academics, more philosophical. This is not you sitting around with Plato, uh, you know, or, 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 or in, and sitting around and talking philosophy. This is you. This is not another sermon. This is not another Bible study. Jesus says, come, don't hear about me. Come and become like me is what he's saying. Come learn from me. Now, we talked about this Wednesday night in the Bible study. By the way, you should come to that. It's awesome. 7 o'clock. 
He was saying, Jesus was saying, come follow me and learn my ways. And in, in, and in this time, the Hebrews, the Jewish people would have rabbis and the rabbis would have disciples. Are you following me? Okay, say rabbi. Had disciples. Jesus had disciples. And so what would happen was, and it's, this is just the way it is, and you can get mad, it's not politically correct, but, but the Jewish uh, culture, it, it was a, a paternal, it was a, a, it was a paternal culture. And so it was male, male dominant. It doesn't say that women didn't have a part. Uh, you have, I think about Deborah, the, the judge, you had women that led, you had Moses' sister who helped lead. I mean, so it's very important. But, but the sons would find a rabbi. And they would find this rabbi and this rabbi would say, okay, you can come in. And they would take on the rabbi's teachings. They would become a discipler. They would come and learn from this rabbi. And this rabbi would teach them about life. And eventually, hopefully that son would grow up and that son would become a rabbi. And then then he would then take other rabbis and pull up the disciples and say, come learn from me. And they would become like him. Jesus is what he was talking about. He wasn't saying, come to church, come worship. He wasn't saying, come here to the sermon, come to Bible study, come serve. He was saying, Learn from me, become my disciple, come, come to me. Okay, that's what he's saying. He was saying, come to me, learn about my ways, and live my ways out. Are you following this? John 14, 21 says this, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. You see, the problem is, and this is that I'm kind of giving you a little lesson on the Wednesday night, is we have this mentality that Christianity is you come to church, you do these activities, and you're saved. Jesus said, no, you're a disciple. Come follow me. You see, the church in America, it's about going to church services. Jesus says, no, don't just come to church service. Come to me. Come to the church service and meet with me, but don't just come to a church service. Because, see, church services don't change the world. Jesus changes the world. And see, some of you, you're coming to church and you expect Pastor Stan to feed you something every week because you're tired, you're weary, you're worn out. And I do. I pray God all week, Lord, let me speak something from your heart to these awesome people. But the problem is if this is the only time you read the Word or you hear the Word, you're in trouble. Come on, amen? And so you've got to say all week long, I'm a follower. Jesus, I want to come and learn from you. Whether it's Pastor Stan or a video or it's me looking in the Word or me uh, fellowship with other believers, I want to come and be like you. Because here's the next scripture. John 14, 23-24 says this, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and he will, he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father. So, who is discipling you today? Hopefully it is. Seriously, think about it. You need to take stock this week. If you don't know who you're following this week, if every time the Republican Party says something, you jump, or the Democratic Party says something, you jump, you're not a disciple of Christ. Oops. Every time the Redskins do this and you jump, every time Pastor Stan says something, well, hopefully it's Jesus. But I've seen too many believers follow a, a pastor on TV or on the Internet. And that whatever that pastor says, they jump instead of saying, did Jesus really say that? Did Pastor Stan hear from Jesus? Did, did, is he getting that out of the Word? Every time your boss says something, every time your addiction says something, do you jump? Come on, every time that little pops on your little, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you already know what I'm talking about. You thought, hey, was that my phone? Do you jump? When the latest TV show comes out, oh, Apple introduces iPhone 25, X. 
Oh, I'm a disciple. Oh, I bow down to Apple. Come on, amen. What? Who, who are you? Who's discipling you? Who's helping you grow? Now, that stuff's all cool. I, I mean, move on. Who is discipling you? Who are you truly following? What fruit is in your life? Because who you follow shows in your life. Come on, amen? Number three, gentle and humble in spirit. I've got to move on. Letter A. Isn't gentleness a sign of weakness? In our society, we think this. And I'm running out of time, so write this down. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. This talks about Jesus. And, and it says, for, number one, don't, be, don't do things out of selfish ambition. But I'm going to just read this to you real quick. In verse 8, Jesus said this, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. At every knee, shall, at every name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and on heaven and earth. Okay, so basically, Jesus in gentleness, gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is actually strength. You see, anyone can blow up in anger, right? Come on! Right? Anyone can do that. That's a sign of weakness. But a man or a woman who can stand up and say, I don't need to get angry. I don't need to blow up. I don't need to honk my horn. I don't need to put a sign out the window when they pass me. I don't need to gossip about the, my classmates or coworkers. I don't need to look for a way to get avenge, revenge. I am a child of God. And I'm going to go to Jesus for rest. Amen? And so Jesus stood up. Remember, they spat on him. They beat him. They did all that stuff to him. And he stood up to it. And he humbled himself. And he went to the cross so you and I could have life. That is what he's saying. My gentleness, my strength of character will help you. The second part of that. Isn't humbleness for low lives? You see, our society says if you're if you got all that stuff and you look cool and you, you have the right haircut, you got the right you got all that stuff and, and you're bossing people around, you're in charge. But you know all those people who are bossing people around, they're gonna be standing before Jesus one day. And they're gonna bow their knee, either in submission or because they have to submit at the end because they love Jesus or they don't. And you see, Jesus was never, he never was a low life and never will be a low life because Jesus is the name of all names. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And every knee will bow. Every person that makes fun of Jesus today, he makes fun of your faith, your boss, the world, atheism, all the world systems, all the bling, all the bucks and the babes are all going to bow down to God. And they're going to bow their knee to Jesus. And you and I, you see, you know, I, I willingly do that because I want to be gentle. I want His power in my life. Again, true humility shows strength of character. You see, Jesus was resurrected so that you and I could have life. Isn't this awesome? So number four, rest for my soul. Rest for your soul. What am I searching for? What am I searching for? Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty nine. the second part, He says, and you will find rest for your souls. The original language... The original language means to obtain or get rest for your soul. What are you searching for in life? What are you looking for in life? Is that thing really giving you rest? Is it giving you completion? Is it making you whole or is it just wearing you out? Is it leaving you hungry for more and you can never get enough? You just, it, it's, it just, you're, you're thirsty all the time. You're just hungry. And, or you're, you've got all this stuff but you're empty. You've got all these things, but you're empty. You have all this cash. You have all these friends, but you're empty. Jesus says, I can give you rest for your souls. That stuff's nice. But is, is it giving you rest? Is that worldly prestige, that plaque, that, that wealth, that advancement, is it bringing rest or is it just bringing more burdens? 
How many times I've talked to people and they buy the big house and there's nothing wrong with the big house. And they have all the stocks and they have all the toys, but they're empty inside. And their marriage falls apart and their kids are driven away from God. And they say, Pastor, I wish I would have learned my lesson that that stuff didn't fill me up. It just emptied my life. Friends, let's not fall into the trap of the world thinking we need more of what the world says. Right? Come on, amen? What are you searching for? Has your search for worldly pleasures and the things of the world left you restless or burdened? Or are you looking for Jesus today? Who says, I can give you rest for your soul. And you can learn from me. Amen? Amen. Letter B, how do I find rest for my soul? I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds very simplistic. But you must surrender all to Jesus. This is where we struggle. The surrender of all to Jesus. Come on, amen? Your emotions, your possessions, your friends, yourself, your innermost hidden things that you think no one else sees but God sees. And by the way, you know what? Sometimes other people see it but they just don't always let you know. Seriously. You think you're doing something in secret people? No. Come on. I mean, I used to think I was cool and slick and try to hide things from my dad and he knew. And of course my mom. Moms, they, remember the, back, the, back, the eyes in the back of their head? Kids, moms know. And moms are smart enough to go through your phone or your computer. Go through your room when you're not there. So moms know. Dads know too. I mean, sometimes I know the media makes dads like aloof. You know, we're, we're Homer Simpson. Donut, you know. Not all dads are like that. We may play a little aloof, but we know what's going on. Okay? Because we're, we're smarter than you think. Especially if you're going to be willing to do the work more than we... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I just say that? Oh, my wife's not here, so don't tell her. Someone's already texting her right now. She's awesome. She does more than I can ever imagine. Keeps me in line. I need it. But how do I find rest for my soul? It means you surrender. Surrender everything. Your success, your weaknesses, your, your failures, your, your, your Everything. Stop searching for things in the wrong places. We must come to the places. You know, Jesus is the only thing that's going to satisfy my life. Yes, I have a very successful career. Or yes, I have this great life. My Whatever it is. And again, I'm, I'm going back to the original language is what we get the word psyche. Which means the whole heart, mind, and soul. And if you come to Jesus on heart, mind, and soul, you're going to be better off. Giving it all to Him. Write this scripture down. I don't have time to read it again. But Colossians 3, 1 through 11. Colossians 3, 1 through 11, so I can get down to the end. Colossians 3, 1 through 11 says, basically, set your mind on things above because this world is going gonna, gonna to end. It's going to fail. It's going to disappear. But what we do for God is going to be more important. Now, here we go. Number five, the last part is, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We have this concept. Now, let me, let me talk about this just for a couple minutes and I'm going to be done. I want to have a time for prayer. If it's easy... It must not be worth it, right? We say that, right? If it's easy, it must not be because pain, right? You know, right? We all say pain. You have to pay. It has to. You have to work hard, and sometimes that's true. And so we we know that if something is too easy, it doesn't add value. But that's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying not cheap or of little value. But again, the original language means better. My yoke is better is what he was saying. It's better for you. That's the original language. It's good or better for you. And you see, the world offers stuff that may be good, but it's not better for you. Right? 
And so John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full or more abundantly, as it says in the King James. The reality is you and I can't afford this life that Jesus offers us. It's a better life. It's not easy, it's just better for us. And the other reality is you and I cannot pay the price of our sins, right? And we've all sinned, correct? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, it's better to receive Christ than to you try to pay for your life. You cannot pay for your sins. You cannot live in the ways of the world and expect to have life. But Jesus has a better, it's easier for your life by submitting to Him, by giving everything to Him, by surrendering all to Him. Amen? Matthew 16, I'm going to read this to you. Matthew 16, 24-36. Write it down as well. Then Jesus said to His disciples, remember disciples, not Christians, disciples, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for Me will, will find it. What good will it be for, for a man or woman or child if they gain the world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his life? So you cannot pay your way to heaven. It's, you can never do it. You have to accept Jesus. Amen? The ways of Jesus are not burdensome. The ways of Jesus are worth it. Amen? So write that down if I skip through that. The letter A is if, if it's easy, it's not worth it. Letter B, the way of Jesus is not burdensome. You see, Jesus will give you life. Jesus wants you to have life. Amen? He wants you to have fire for Him burning on the altar of your heart. He wants you to have purpose. He wants you to be fulfilled in your singleness, in your marriage, in, in your schooling, in your job, in your church, in, your, in the ministries He has you involved in. But the problem is we get ourselves yoked up with something else. Or we try to pull the yoke ourselves. Jesus, I got this. Right? How many of you are like guilty of that? Uh, Jesus, I can do this, Jesus. Uh, I don't need you. I can do this. And that's when you get yourself in trouble. Correct? The last part is this, Jesus bore our sins on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24, He Himself bore our sins on, on, in His body on the tree so that we might, not, we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. Jesus died in your place so that you could have life. So that you could not be burdened, but have life where you're at today. Isn't this awesome? So, so do this, stop killing yourself because the world says you're not what they want you to be. Stop trying to be like the world. Amen? Amen? Stop trying to be like your brother and sister in church. Be who God's made you to be. Amen? Amen. Take that yoke off. Put the yoke Jesus has customly built for you. And actually, He's the one doing the pulling. You're just along for the ride. That's the way Christianity is. I and mean, yes, you're going to work. You're going to, you're going to go through hard times. But Jesus is going to be there with you the whole time. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take life upon you. Philippians, write this down, 3, 7-11. through 11. That's your homework. Philippians 3, 7-11. through 11. Paul was saying, I, I've had all this stuff, I consider it rubbish. I love that. English, I love when they use that. It's rubbish. You know, that's garbage. It's, waste. it's a waste. All that stuff is rubbish, he's saying. But at the bottom of verse 11 is to attain the resurrection from the dead. That is life. You see, Jesus, uh, in, in, Paul says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And I'm telling you, and I'm confessing to you as well, the problem is we don't tap into that power. And Jesus is calling to this church, calling to you, calling to me, to say, stop tapping into something else, but tap into my resurrection power that's in you. 